Okay, it is August 18th. It's a Friday, so I haven't done a podcast in a few days. Uh, the recording that I've done has been on other other things. Um, so this week, I spent most of the week adding in a relic system. And so what is the relic system in the game? Well, the relic system is just a single item. You have a single item slot for a relic, and it's an item that can be activated uh, using like space bar or enter or anything. So you're, you're going around during battle and you can activate this item. And so the idea for this came, obviously, uh, you can see that it takes inspiration from the Binding of Isaac, where you can get spacebar items in the Binding of Isaac. Uh, but that's not actually why I added it in. The reason that I added the relics in is because I had players who wanted to be able to dash in the game. And if you remember back when I did the indie game night out in Salt Lake City, I had players requesting that, and I was very wary of adding a dash into the game. Uh, I wanted to try and fix what I saw as the problems with the game in other ways. Um, so uh, if you remember, I, I spread out the difficulty over time by spawning enemies in instead of ha having them all in the room at once. I also shrunk a lot of the enemies down um, uh, and made their hurt boxes better match their or their hitboxes better match their sizes. And all of those things um, did a really good job of fixing that those problems that players were having where they felt like they got stuck and uh, pointed the players towards this part of the game that I think is interesting, which is positioning, where um, if you've got enemies that are kind of cornering you, you can actually position yourself in a way to lead the enemies uh, kind of in one direction to create an escape path through another direction. So I made a lot of progress on that and feel like I uh, addressed a lot of those issues in, in other ways without adding a dash. But in the back of my head, I was still always thinking, you know, there's a balance between the vision that I have of the game as a designer and allowing the players to play the game in the way that they want to, like allowing for a variety of ways to play the game. So not forcing the players to always play the game the way you want them to, um, but allowing them to explore other ways of playing the game. And there's a balance there, right? The balance between what the player wants the game to be and what the designer wants the game to be. and I think in the past, I was a bit more strict about this, just being like, well, you know, I'm the designer. Um, I want players to play the game this way. If they don't play the game this way or they don't get it, then the game's not for them and they shouldn't play it. Um, but I'm, I'm leaning, I'm starting to lean more, more in the direction of allowing the players to customize the game somewhat and play it the way that they want to. Uh, some of this comes from listening to Sid Meier's, uh, Sid Meier's memoir, which I highly recommend. It's a great, great book. Uh, he talks about in the book when they did Civilization II, I think, 
the other designer had added cheats to the game. And he was like, no, 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 no. Why are cheats so easy to do? It's going to ruin the experience for the players. You know, he was really worried about it. And, and, but then it ended up being like a really great thing for the game. Uh, and he later basically said, you know, uh, admitted that that was the way to go about it, that it was, it was good for the players to allow them to play the game in the way that they might want to. Um, and, and of course, hindsight is always twenty twenty, right? The, the cliche. Uh, he, he, they added in cheats and then it worked for civilization. That doesn't mean it would work for every game. So decisions like this are very um, contextualized in the design of the rest of the game. Um, but what that means to me is that you might as well try it. Give it a try. See if it works. Um, and then if your playtesters uh, don't like it or it ruins the experience for people, then you take it out. It's, that, it's not that big of a deal. So that's my approach uh, is to just try it. If a player's like, what if you do this? Then I'm like, okay, well, I'll give it a try and then I'll see what happens when players are playing the game. If it, if, if it starts to ruin it, um, to ruin the experience. Because, you know, players can do that. They can design, design their way into a terrible game um, uh, because sometimes they don't know what they want. Uh, they know when something doesn't feel quite right, but they don't always know how to fix it. So, I'm I'm trying dashes, and because I decided to try dashes and give it a shot, I wanted to use an item system for this, the relic system, right? So, on Tuesday, I think it was Tuesday, I added a simple dash into the game, got that working. And then I started adding the relic system into the game, which was a little bit more complicated than adding the dash. And, uh, you know, I when I decided to add relics, I was like, well, there'll be more than just the dash. So even if the dash doesn't end up working as a relic, I can still have other relics in the game because I think that relics in general will be a good addition. They'll add some depth to the way that you can play the game uh, while still keeping it relatively simple. So I started adding in the relic system. And at first, I kind of copied Binding of Isaac, where I just had a meter. And when you entered a room, a new, like a, when, you, when you got into an encounter with enemies, it would fill your meter all the way up. So the dash, for example, had two, two bars on the meter. You could use the dash twice in a room. And I think I got that done Wednesday. And it felt awful. I didn't even have to put it in front of playtesters because when I was playing it, I was like, this is awful. This, this just feels terrible. This is not working at all. And why? So why did it feel terrible? Uh, when I was playing, it felt like I didn't want to use my dash because I only had two of them. So I was like trying to save them and not use them. Um, so either I would use the dash and then kind of regret it at, or because like, because like, oh, maybe I could have gotten out of that situation without using one of my dashes or I wouldn't use the dash and I'd get hit and then I'd regret not using it. And so it was just like constant regret. <laughs> um, 
and it it just it didn't feel good. I was like, oh great, this isn't gonna work. I'm gonna have to pull the dash out. That's what I was thinking on Wednesday. Um, but then Thursday, I decided to try instead of doing a meter for it, giving the giving the relics a cooldown. So I was like, okay, why not? What if I give the relic a cooldown? So instead of having like a limited uses, it was you can use it infinitely, but there's a cooldown in between each use. And it's a pretty significant cooldown so that I don't want players to spam this. That definitely ruins the experience, right? I'm trying to find that balance. Um, my vision of, of how this game should be played and how I think it's the most fun uh, based on my experience and based on watching playtesters um, versus playtesters wanting a dash. So I added the cooldown to it and it just, it like instantly fixed it. It worked. It was, it was like, if I used a dash and was like, well, maybe I shouldn't have used it there. It didn't feel like I'd wasted it because I have infinite of them and it just immediately started recharging for me to be able to use it again. And then there's like this, it, it also creates like this moment of tension where, okay, now I no longer have, I no longer have my dash. I have to be careful about how I'm maneuvering around these enemies. So you're considering your positioning um, even more. And then you do try to save your dash sometimes, but you don't try. So like you will, like I found myself trying to play without using the dash. Um, but I didn't, like when I felt like I needed it, there wasn't any hesitation. I would just use it. Um, and I think that was part of the problem with the meter system is that there was a hesitation sometimes and that's why I'd end up getting hit when I didn't use it. So it just fixed it. And then I had my daughter play test it. I mean, it fixed it for me. Of course, I haven't put it in front of very many play testers, but I had my daughter play test it and she liked it. Um, it was a little harder for her to use the dash because she's newer to playing video games in general. And so um, in, inputting like the arrow keys and another button at the same time in order to dash in a specific direction and kind of gauge the distance of that dash, um, it, was, it was harder for her to use it, but she did use it successfully in a few places and liked it. She said, she said that she liked that she could um, dash through enemies to kind of get out of bad situations, which is why players were requesting it in the first place. Um, but then the other thing that, I, or, and then she also said she liked how it had the charge. Um, so she saw the cooldown timer as like a charging, like she'd use it and then it had to recharge and she liked that about it. Um, and the other thing that I noticed is that, which I think is cool, is that technically you should never actually have to use your dash. Um, you can be smart enough about your positioning to avoid taking a hit 99.9% .9 of the time. And so even though she couldn't utilize the dash as well as maybe a more experienced gamer, it didn't matter because she could play the game without using the dash. It's very, it's completely possible to play the entire game without the dash. So I was really happy about that. Uh, it all just kind of worked out. And I, I feel like, I feel like finding that middle, I feel like I did a decent job of finding the balance between my vision of the game and the requests from players who wanted a dash. And now I have a new kind of design space to play with 
inside the game, which is these relics. So I could have a relic that, you know, gives your character a temporary shield or a relic that um, uh, pushes like kind of blasts out from the character and pushes enemies away. So they're kind of like these active abilities, you know, because the charms are all passive. Um, and same with the wards. They're all passive abilities. You can't like activate them. Um, so now I have like an active ability that you can use, but you can also choose to play the game without them. Um, and another way that I'm going to try and kind of point the players in the direction of how I think the game is most interesting, because I still, even though the dash is working, I still feel like it's the less interesting way to play the game. Uh, I'm going to make some of the other... Some of the other relics, I think, a bit stronger. So the dash will be, the dash will be a slightly weaker relic. It won't be bad. It will be a good relic, um, but I think I want to point the players away from it. We'll see how that goes. I'll just have to try it and play test it and kind of see how it goes. But that's my intuition. My intuition is um, create some other relics that are slightly more interesting. Uh, so. You know, I give that option to players. If you want to play the game this way, you can. But look, these relics are slightly more enticing. I think this is the more interesting way to play the game. Now, all of this is, I think the last thing that I want to talk about is um, just how I, I think I've had a very high expectation of myself as far as productivity goes. I've had family visiting from North Dakota this week. And so my productivity, um, it was pretty good, but it also was uh, slightly less than normal. And I think it was, it's been a little bit stressful for me. Um, and then the other thing is that I had, I don't, I, I think maybe I hurt my shoulder or pulled my neck or kind of got a stiff neck somehow sleeping because I've got, my neck is really tight and I've got, it seems to be like um, pulling on my upper back and shoulder blade in a way that's um, it's actually affected my work some as well. So I just don't feel like I've been quite as productive this week, you know. And I, I keep joking with I keep joking with my partner, um, you know, telling her I'm like uh, getting sick isn't part of my five year plan, you know. <laughs> kind of joking about it, like I can't. You know, this doesn't factor into my, when I made my five-year plan of releasing a game every year for five years on Steam, it didn't, it didn't factor in getting sick and it didn't factor in uh, family visiting and it didn't factor in uh, vacations. And um, so I, I just kind of joke about that, you know, where uh, I, I, I kind of, I, I feel like I'm definitely stretching myself this year. I sh I, I constantly feel like I chose a game with a scope that is slightly too large. And, and it's, it's not that it's not a possible scope for me. It's just that it's, it's like in the time frame that I have, I'm concerned about the scope of the project. But, uh, you know, I'll do my best. I'll do my best. And I will price the game appropriately on Steam. So if it ends up being slightly smaller in scope, I'll price it appropriately uh, to reflect that. 
And if it, if, if people end up really liking it and it does really well, then I can add more content later anyways. Um, I don't want to do early access, but I would do free updates after launch if it did well enough, right? If the game was successful enough to justify putting more time into it, I would do a lot like I could do free content updates. I will be doing updates after launch a hundred percent. Um, but free content updates after launch, you know, if it sells even reasonably well, um, I don't know what that number looks like for me, but I will do content after launch anyways. Uh, but yeah, you know, I could release I could release a smaller game next year and continue to update this game throughout next year if it if it does well enough, um, and then of course increase the price to reflect the increased content, like increased size of the game as well on Steam. Um, you know, like if I do like a major update, then I could increase the price to. Let's say it's a let's say it's a small game that gives an average playtime of three hours, and I price it at three dollars. That sounds reasonable, right? And then um, throughout the year, I add enough content to it that um, it gives more of like a six to eight hour playtime, and I decide to up the price to six dollars or five dollars or something like that. Um, that's totally possible. So you know, I've got a lot of options still. Uh, even though I may have scoped it slightly too, too large, I can, I can make it work. I can make it, I can make it work. I just have to remember to make sure that I'm pricing it, um, fairly to my customers. And that's kind of my main concern. Well, we're about getting close to 20 minutes into this podcast episode. Uh, it was a good week overall and of course, my goal for the week, I, I think I mentioned this at the start of the week, is to get the Steam page up. And all I have left are the, the screenshots and like capsule art and stuff like that. So I'm going to work on finishing that up today. That's going to be my main goal is to finish all of that up today. Oh, I did add another thing that I added to the game was a curse, which is just the opposite of a charm or not a charm, a ward. So you can use your, your essence to do a, an upgrade to um, actually make the game harder. So the one that I added was reducing your max hearts. So you can reduce your max hearts all the way down to one um, by unlocking those curses. And then that makes it, that allows you to play the game um, hitless, right? A no hit run, um, because if you take one hit, you die. So there's, it just, it immediately makes the game that way. Uh, and it, it does it in increments. So you can reduce your heart by one, you can reduce it by two and you can reduce it by three. And, you know, if you reduce it by three, that takes you down to one max heart. Uh, and I want to, so the wards that I added were for Ashton, my daughter to allow her to, um, to allow her to make the game easier as she played it and got farther. And the curses are for me because it's already too easy for me. So it's a, it's a system for players who already find the game too easy to be able to increase the challenge. And uh, even reducing the heart down to one, the game still feels too easy 
for me. So I'd like to add another one that um, increases enemy health. I think that could be interesting. And another one that increases the amount of enemies spawning in the each room. So each room has like a limit to how many enemies can be spawned into the room at a time. Uh-oh, hopefully the recording didn't cut out there. I'm not sure. Uh, each enemy has a each room has a limit to how many enemies can be spawned in at a time. So like let's say it's three enemies at a time. Um, the enemy, can, the room can never have any more than three enemies. I'd like to be able to add a curse that allows you to increase that number. So if a room was three previously, now it can be four. If it was four previously, now it can be five. And I think that will be an interesting way to make the game more difficult for players like me who want more of a challenge. Um, but yeah, I already added in one. So uh, that's the other thing that I did this week. But I think that's going to be it for this podcast episode. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, I appreciate all the support. I'll link to the demo and, of course, to the Kickstarter in the show notes. So check those out if you haven't already, and I will see you all in the next episode.